Ooh, hello, everybody. Welcome back. It is Friday, June something or other. I don't even know what day it is. My gosh, after being away all last week and popping in here and there, just trying to get settled back in. Hey, welcome, everybody, to this week's edition. I'm Tim Golden, founder of Compliance Risk, here with our partner, Tim Schnur and Jesse. And oh, my gosh, we have 5,000 people on this call today. <laughs> A lot of little boxes, Tim. A lot of little boxes here. So you, All you, the you got the big box right now, but uh, like Hollywood squares, right? Like, like <laughs> even know which window to talk to at this point. Oh That's wait, hey, the, now, people, now people just vanish; they just go away. <laughs> Where did Jesse go? Did we lose Jesse? Oh, no, I'm here. I'm oh, there here. he is. Oh my god! Ah, oh, you're making yeah, good to have you back. Yeah, good to be back. Good to be back. So, yeah, everybody, Tim Golden, founder of Compliance Risk and MSP Vital Tech Services. Uh, let's just kind of go around the room, put the Hollywood squares up, and we'll be like, Jesse, you're on. Hey, everyone. Uh, Jesse Miller, Power PSA Consulting. I help MSPs build, scare, scale, and repair their security programs for ultimate profit. Awesome. Thanks, Jesse. And of course, Tim, Tim, like Team Tim. We like, hey. over uh, the Ford Mesa trio here. Uh, Tim Schnurf, uh, Ford Mesa, Zach, uh, new to us, uh, killing it in the sales department. Uh, Matt Fish, our founder, and uh, CISO, and all things product. Matt there. But uh, yeah, excited, excited for the show today, Tim. Uh, insurance has been near and dear. Uh, I jump on as many fifth wall. <laughs> productions out there so super excited to talk about kind of this evolving uh you know catalyst for cybersecurity. so uh, wait, great to have you why don't we sure thing <laughs> hey well, wait a minute hey welcome will say hello hey everyone my name is will brooks i am a solutions engineer kind of the the entry point for the for our msp partners in our channel at fifth wall solutions fifth wall solutions is a real quick we're a wholesaler so we have access to over 40 carriers all we do is cyber insurance we don't touch any other lines of business and that's because uh to tim schnur's point it is changing almost daily and it is not stagnant like the rest of the insurance industry it feels like there's more cyber insurance news than anything else there's more incidents than anything else so it's pretty rapidly evolving. So we keep mm. up on it and we try to help our partners understand it and help their clients out. Yeah. Follow fifth wall, you know, get on there constantly and update every week. Well, so super excited to hear about it. Uh, we have a special guest as well. Rob uh, Garcia, uh, first tracks technology, Rob, if you want to say a quick hi, I know he has struggled in the past with cyber insurance and cyber insurance applications. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, re representing the MSPs on this uh, forum, uh, First Tracks Technology, based out of Central Ohio, servicing customers from all over the United States, and um, on that journey where we've helped our customers become more insurable, and also help fill out those insurance applications that will probably help to write somewhere along the way. But happy to be here. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Uh, Tim, you know, why don't we? Uh, I got a question. I'm just going to shoot it right at Will um, okay. early on here. Um, so we, we, we were just talking about the changes, right? Well, so I think some of the changes I've noticed are the difference in applications from 2022 to 2023. Kind of, you know, any kind of controls, tools that are required on these applications, um, you know, in the last six months or year. And I know the list is just getting longer and longer. So. What are, you, what are your thoughts 
Yeah, so a couple of things. First, Rob, uh, just just to comment real quick, we didn't help write those carrier apps because if we did, the questions would make a lot more sense. Um, so uh, <laughs> I think on our end, uh, Tim, something that a lot of our MSP partners get hung up on is they look at this laundry list of controls and they say, man, if my clients all implemented these, they would be rock star clients and I would be, you know, I would only need to keep four of them on my books because they would pay my bills forever. And um, what, and especially some certain carrier apps, I'm not going to name any, but certain carrier apps are extremely, extremely comprehensive, like 12, 13, 14 pages, like they're long. And, uh, you know, you, you have MSPs filling them out and they're saying, hey, if I, if I answer any of these wrong or if I advise my client on them incorrectly and my client doesn't get coverage, now I look bad. This is on me now. Oh, you haven't been protecting me the right way, Mr. and Mrs. MSP, right? So you're afraid to answer the questions because then it's like, I don't know what's going to affect them. And that's that's part of the challenge is on those really comprehensive forms where there's a lot of questions, I would say the majority of those questions are all data collection right now. Mm. Um, we like to say insurance is a baby. Cyber insurance is a baby. Most lines of insurance have been around for well, a very, very long time, some decades, some centuries. Um, and they have very in-place underwriting guidelines and standards and all that kind of stuff. And what we are seeing in the cyberspace is you had these policies that they just started handing out like candy when cyber insurance first came on the scene. And then when we had our the, the pandemic and underwriting got serious, now they said, well, obviously cyber controls help, but we don't know what any of these mean, so let's just start seeing where the losses are. So they're slow, they're asking all these questions and then looking at past loss history and saying, okay, when people had these controls in place, they were less likely to be breached. So those mm. are the ones we're going to look for, right? So they're building that out. The problem, right. and to your point with like the adjusting, and you guys can shut me up whenever. I'll talk about this stuff. Keep going. Part of the evolving industry <laughs> is just the reality that like, you know, we're, we're in an industry where every time a new control gets made, bad guys are looking for another way to circumnavigate it, right? They're going to try and come, they're going to try and overcome it. So that means a new control is going to be made. So these aren't going to become, I don't think it's ever going to completely settle, but it's not, right. you have to say yes to everything on this form or you're not getting a policy. There are very specific things that carriers are definitely looking for. And then there are other things that depending on the nature of the risk, those will be, may or may not be necessary. So, so let's go back to kind of baseline here, right? So we all, as MSPs, we've been seeing these security questionnaires come in, not you know, from cyber insurance and whatnot across the industry, right? And I know I've seen them start to evolve over the last couple of years as well, right? And it sounds like from what you're saying is that, you know, you obviously see way more than we do, so that there's some trends in what they're asking now versus a year ago, two years ago, and so on and so forth. And some of those trends are, how are you handling data? Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Data and so, so that's, you know, that's a really interesting point, right? So because it kind of goes back to data flow diagrams, like, do we even know where our data is, right? Not just for us as an MSP, but do our clients even know? Do they have a handle on that? And so without getting too deep into the weeds on data, it sounds like that seems to be a big push currently. We knew in the past, and and, and, and I think you, you and Wes and others might have said this, that there are sort of five basic categories that all of them are pretty much asking. Do you, 
number one, can you re reiterate that for our viewers? And number two, do you think data might be another category that they're going to start to add to these? Um, yeah, so I'll start with the five, the top kind of five. Um, I would say there's kind of two categories here. There's there's MFA, which is, you know, if you don't have MFA, and <laughs> we're going to get questions on this, I'm sure. Where do you mean MFA, right? Uh, and that's that's <laughs> one of the questions on the app. Some carriers are right. just saying, do you have MFA? And it's like, well, y yes, <laughs> but where? <laughs> then you have other carriers saying, hey, where is MFA on all, do they have MFA on all these things? And then they start asking about things like routers and switches and stuff that's like really confusing. So again, data collection versus not being very clear on what the heck you're asking. And you get these two mm -hmm. broad camps. But MFA is an important part. We can talk through all the specifics on that. But uh, then you've got security awareness training because, and I share this stat a lot, 83%, actually it might be, it might've gone down. It went down one percentage point, found that out yesterday. The Verizon, uh, <clears throat> Verizon report came out 82 percent of incidents are due to the human element so them clicking a link and pulling for credit or uh, gift card scams all that kind of fun stuff right so you run into that one so security awareness training carriers are looking at percentages and they're saying mm, if they're not taking the time to accurately train themselves are they really going to be a good risk probably not so that's a big one uh backup solutions now depending on the size of the company you could be looking at something like uh just segregated backups so they're not on the network which to some carriers things like tapes are okay which you know who even uses those anymore but still a thing right oh, all right tim there you go so tapes uh but then on the other hand immutable backups right so once that backup is made it cannot be altered and that's that's a heat for so it could Hence vary that's good it could vary depending on the the size of the business, the risk of the business, things like that. Um, and then you have things like next-gen antivirus they're still asking about. What is what is next-gen AV? <laughs> like, we hear that, like, is that, like, Norton versus Defender versus Huntress versus, I don't know, what is next-gen AV? That one's always baffled me. Like, okay. I don't know. The other yeah, room could probably answer that one better than me. <laughs> no, it just, it's interesting, like, how how the industry of the insurance industry like comes up with these random things like next gen av like yep. yeah what? so will in the in the chat we've been joking around i don't know if you can see that but i think we nailed the family feud on the, <laughs> uh, on the side there but uh you know before i was asking you it seems like whitelisting even vulnerability management they're starting to get a little, a little more specific and like add add a couple more things to the list i i know you have the what do you call it? The Loda, Lord of the Apps. Um, yep. So it's not, it might not be across the board, Not maybe not all applications are asking for it, but some of the things are kind of, there's a trend, right? So some of these new controls, so. Yeah, we our, our system, without getting into too many details, it's it's basically an evolving, uh, an evolving form because the actual things that are being required are consistently being asked about, right? So, um, hey, this is being asked about now, but maybe next year they're adding a new thing that we want to make sure people are aware of so that if we're going through this it's like here are your non-negotiables you need to have these in place um so yeah i uh but patching solutions and vulnerability management is a weird one and i, I don't know if i mean msps if, if you're on the call um listening in i mean i'm sure at some point you've run into those external vulnerability scans that carriers are doing Oh, where yeah. it's you know they they ping a an ip address or they ping a url and they find all these flags and issues and they say well we're not taking on this risk because 
you have this port open or something like that. And there are certain ports that, you know what, they will not, they will not write a policy if that port's open, but there's other ones where that's where being able to talk to the carrier a little bit and say, Hey, let's talk about what this is all about and what these, what these are doing. So um, there is that, but the, the pat being able to patch those vulnerabilities is huge. I mean, that's one of the, that's one of those non-negotiable things. If you can't patch, if your patching solution isn't, I mean, carriers are saying 30 days or less, I like to say MSPs try to do less than that. Come on, you can <laughs> not 30 days, especially for critical patches, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, carriers are saying if you're not able to patch your critical and high high security vulnerabilities within 30 days, we're not touching that risk. But, mm-hmm. but they're really looking at the they're doing like an external scan, right? Like a almost uninvited scan, right? Like when they're looking at. You know they're not actually putting putting agents on machines and digging in and not yet. Yeah, they will be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm curious, and I mean Rob, maybe you can comment on this. I, I'm always curious with MSP. So I see two potential routes for we call it uh, continuous underwriting. We think it's going in that direction where insurance for ever has been based on a good faith contract. Oh, you have daytime running lights in your car. Oh, you have working airbags in your car. Um, oh, you have a security system. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna take that into account when we're making the risk oh you have mfa enabled oh you have an edr solution well those things can be turned off in an instant right right Right. so it's a totally different approach so we wonder you know we're we're thinking at some point that this active underwriting continuous underwriting where they're able to monitor to see if any of those controls have been turned off Mm -hmm. and if so the policy is now void um now obviously this isn't entirely a thing yet there are some companies that are starting to talk about it some are doing it in certain ways but um, I'm curious, I, I'm thinking it's going to go one of two ways. Either an agent gets installed, which, I mean, as an MSP, I don't know how you feel about that, uh, versus some kind of uh, API call. And I'm not mm-hmm. sure what's going to be the approach there, but um, I, I do see that coming because it's it's a totally different beast from other types of um, other types of insurance. It's just it, the good yeah. faith thing doesn't work. Well, so, so, so that Steve Travel or like driver thing, right? Where like, I actually yeah. have the Geico one. And it, yeah, I was just about to say, I'm, like, I'm the, I'm the passenger, so I'm like reading my phone. It's and I got in trouble because like my phone was moving too much, like in the car. Will, can we envision a world where Fifth Wall has the little black box that ties into the cybersecurity stack and is like, wait a minute, you turned off 2FA, wait a minute, you're about to crash. <laughs> like, will Fifth Wall have something? Yeah, so, yeah, Br- is that Brandis? Am I saying that wrong? Br- Brindis or Brindis. Brindis. Yeah. So, where's our little black box? You'll need the same thing for forklifts out in the warehouse, and there mm-hmm. is some of that automation happening in other places where there is insurance risk and uh, long established insurance policies and applications and renewals. But I'm with you guys that I think with cyber, there is a kind of a technological bent to it where it's easy to get some of these answers if you really develop an approach to it. So we as an MSP have come through a life cycle of maturity. We're not there yet. I mean, we're, you know, somebody said we're in the baby side of it. Yeah, call us first trimester, and we're even proud of what we're doing for customers, but insurance has brought us along a certain way. Certain controls have forced us to do certain things, but just having an approach where we started was, oh my gosh, you had an application and you want our input on it. Here's answer to question three, and then it became 
CISSPs telling us, hey, be careful how you answer. You're assuming risk on behalf of your customer. So now we welcome and have the approach and say, hey, we're ready to talk to your insurance people. We've created a packet. We can show them the following telemetry. Let's take a proactive approach. And hey, maybe we'll renew at a discount. Uh, mm. We'll hey, goal at some point. Um, Rob. But, you know, I think that's a good way to approach it. Yeah. I've got a question for you, Rob. That conversation where you where you're trying to position yourself away from assuming risk, having that conversation with one of your clients can be pretty uncomfortable. Can you yeah. speak to that a little bit and what your process was like for that? Because I'm sure we have some MSPs that are watching, hearing that and thinking to themselves, I don't know if I how to approach that with some of my longtime clients. Well, I mean, I I personally think, and we've taken an approach that that's out of fashion for us, but that was a phase that we went through because it was kind of like we were trying to do the right thing and, and limit scope, limit exposure, limit. We took that approach, but we, we, we came to the realization that we had tool sets available to us and we needed to do it to be a responsible partner. Um, so we didn't have that conversation for long. And Zach, you hit it right on the head. We felt less than what you know less than good is that a word yeah. you know jesse would have rolled up on us and said man you're missing an opportunity perhaps from a revenue standpoint <laughs> you know yeah. me too well you know me too well i was like that's I, a perfect yeah. time to pitch vc so services <laughs> yeah you're handling the softball right now rob and it's it sounds like it's as you said it's a major opportunity to have a very long conversation with each client so yeah, go, ahead, it, it, go ahead, Jesse. Yeah, I was just going to say we felt dumb saying it because we knew we were already doing some of the things that were right. But to, so we were kind of speaking out of both sides of our MSP mouth by saying, mm -hmm. you know, we don't want to be. No, but we we do this. We wake up every day worrying about reliable patching and, you know, vulnerability assessment and so forth. So sorry, Jesse, go ahead. No, no, I, that's I mean, I, I don't have much more to say on it, except that I think. Uh, it does have an opportunity. I mean, I, the clients I'm talking with right now, I'm encouraging to start looking at performance management as the next frontier for MSPs. Yeah. Um, you know, you Good need to call. start, you need to start thinking about, you know, some sort of performance management slash compliance in your stack, whether that's Strata or Vanta or, uh, Tim might know one. I, I don't know. But point being is that, um, you know, then you say, okay, yes, we can answer these questions for you because you're paying us and the liability piece is taken care of for us because you're paying us to do this. You know, we're not taking on risk by doing it. We've priced in the risk in our, in our services and that's what you're paying us for. So it becomes more of a warm blanket, right, for the client at that point. Hmm. Tim, it was an interesting pop-up here, uh, CMMC, and the, I'm going to frame this question, I guess, for you. And if <laughs> Matt fell off because we have too many, you know, Hollywood squares on here. But for a for a CISSP or a CISO, Matt's back. Yeah, there. Hey, Matt. Back. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah. So, and, you, and and we'll just talk about continuous compliance, right? So, like, yes. Talk exactly. about what a POAM is, right? And yeah. And what happens when you tell when you tell the DOD I'm going to do something, and then a year later you don't do it, yeah. right? Like yeah. so, so the security plan. So it sounds like insurers are getting smart. They're talking to guys like you, and they're saying, "Hey, you know, you can get credit for things you haven't done yet if you promise to do them on so and so dates." And then a year later, they're like, you guys just totally fell off the wagon. Yeah. So so. 
Wow, my thoughts on 800-171 for DOD and as it relates to insurance, since that's what we're talking about here, Will, uh, Will might be better suited to answer that, but at least in my opinion, whether you're following 800-171, CMMC, or some specific prescribed compliance framework, insurance is important right out of the gate. Like, I don't care what framework, I don't care if you're a Johnny's lug nut, like, us as MSPs need to be working with organizations like Fifth Wall to bring forward that cyber liability insurance to our customers, right? And we better damn well have it ourselves because if we're not doing this on ourselves, we shouldn't even call ourselves a service provider, right? So my thoughts around CMMC 800-171 as, as put in the chat there, yeah, that's probably a whole nother six weeks of webinars for us to discuss. Well, I had a specific insurance question about that. So um, I think, you know, I've been through a lot of CMMC processes at this stage. Some organizations take it a little more seriously than others. Let's put it that way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so here's my question from an insurance perspective, right? Um, something bad happens, right? And the DOD comes calling, right? Like everyone knows, right? You're not allowed to insure against criminal activity, right? You can't lie to the government, right? Intentionally say, I did this thing, right? You can't insure against that. Um, that's fraud. Yeah, that's fraud. That's fraud. <laughs> but, but, but where is that line in that, that, that when is it considered an error, right? And is that something that's covered under a cyber policy? I'm curious. I don't, I don't know if I understand your question. You're asking if the security control, like they lied saying that they were compliant and then they weren't? They thought they were, they misunderstood it, right? That's that's just like ignorance of the law is not considered, um, you know, you can't escape that, right? It's still fraud, right? Yeah, You're, I mean, this it, well, I, I think uh, insurance policies try to sugarcoat it a little bit and say, you know, there's a difference. Fraud is intentional lying. Misrepresentation is accidental lying. So you misrepresented yourself. Yeah. But both in both cases, I mean, mm -hmm. if you're saying, hey, I have these security controls in place and then forensics comes in to do their work because you were hit by a, by a cyber attack and they determine actually you didn't and that's the reason this attack happened, um, you're gonna, there's a good chance you're going to see claim denials. I mean, that happened... Uh, last summer with Travelers, where there was a company that said, "Hey, we have MFA. We use this one all the time because it's so it's it's big, right? We well, we have MFA, and then turns out they they didn't, and it wasn't just not enabled at the time of the incident. It actually was never enabled. They just checked a box, yeah. and uh, it just goes to show: are they reading the forms? Who knows? Like what's going on there? But then the carrier said, "Forensics ran their report, and you didn't have MFA, so we're not covering this claim." And, and that's that's what I wanted to hear. So yeah. um, in answer to Joshua, I guess I would say you can't cyber insure your way out of NIST 800-171 and CMMC, guys. Right. Um, not that I'm accusing you, Joshua, of, of implying that, but, but that's important to note that there's things that cyber insurance is for, right? And there's there's things you can't insure against. You have to do the right stuff. Yeah, and mm -hmm. just to clarify, cyber cyber insurance is going to kick in in the event of a cyber incident. It's not kicking right. in because you lied on your security controls. Um, also, one other thing that we get a lot is like, hey, you know what? I'm trying to get my client to this point of a framework and they need to have certain controls in place. If we say, hey, we'll get EDR solutions put in place in 30 days past their, 
will the carrier just do it and we'll just put it on promise? And I would say almost exclusively, no, carriers are not going to give you a policy based on a promise of security, which is great for you as an MSP if you're listening in, because honestly, that means you get to roadmap this control now. It's not, oh, I'm going to wait. It's like, no, do it. You get to do it now. This, and you bring up a really great point here, Will, and this is why us MSPs need to be working with you know companies as similar to yourself, is that you're making the sale in the close for us, right? Now, and you know, I've I've said this analogy a million times, right? I'm gonna keep saying it. Like, I can never tell my daughters who to marry or date. Now that they're both married, I could never tell them that. But their best friend can. Right. So when me as the MSP telling my client, you need 2FA, you need bat, you need, you need, you need, and they're ignore, ignore. But now, Will, you got you, it's the insurance company coming in as the best friend saying, yeah, you got to do these things. So now it's not just Big Bad Tim anymore. It's, yeah, it's, it's the best friend coming in. Yeah, and the best friend it. who's metaphorically burning your business down by painting a picture of all the scary things that can happen. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think, uh, I think I have plenty to say on this subject, but I'd like to ask Rob, yes, um, please. what, uh, how, how can you, how can we apply some of this? How can you practically start building in these things and being ready and not playing the fireman here, uh, and preparing your clients for this? What, what are some practical applications? Well, somebody said it earlier, I'll say it in, in plain speech, like we say to our team, we eat our own dog food. So I think you have to do these things yourself <laughs> with your team. And that includes training. That includes not just installing EDR for your own things and MFA for your own tool set. Because <laughs> as we know, some MSP software stacks have been great targets in the past. So just <laughs> when you start thinking about that as a very rich win for the bad actors. Right. So um so eating our own dog food. And the other one that I think is being implied here is just embracing the depth of the discussion with your customer. This isn't this isn't number of nodes times a software part number. Mm. This is really talking about their business. How insurable they are is just as important as how good their WAN works to let people work from anywhere. Um, so I think if you embrace the depth of it, I think that's a great starting point. Yeah. Um, and not, and I, I, I think we've had success not breaking it out as, hey, now that we've talked about all your other stuff, let's add security to it. It should just be native. In order to ensure that you, this employer, this role mm-hmm. has access to this app, here are the controls that they should go through. It should become more of an organic, natural sentence as to getting the delivery of IT done is, is where I think you can start seeing some wins for your customers. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Jesse, and Jesse likes what he's hearing. So yeah, I, and Rob, I think to add- Rob has talked to another MSP doctor such as yourself, Jesse. So he's <laughs> he's not Bubba Watson. He hasn't he hasn't never had a lesson. Like he, <laughs> well, I, I think Jesse and I have talked before, and I've always admitted that some of this has been the school of hard knocks, right? Yeah. Selling securities and add-on is where we came from. And I, yeah. I would defy to meet the people that didn't start there. Right. right. If you go far enough in the IT chain, I, security felt like an add-on at some point. Um, that's, Rob, when Rob, his, oh. that's back when Tim was a young man. Exactly. <laughs> I, I really liked when you said, um, and this sounds it, it sounds silly for me to say this, but when you said um, 
we're looking at how insurable you are from a cybersecurity perspective. And when you really break it down, like how, how safe is your data? How, how good are your practices? And if we were to say, um, you're not insurable for fire safety, we would be looking at each other like, well, what do you mean? You know, we would take that really seriously. Um, And I think the way that you drew that out is, is a way that not enough of the market are thinking about it yet. Um, we're thinking about it as this thing that's happening to the market, that's happening to us. But the reality is um, brick and mortar isn't necessarily the way we do business anymore. And we have far more surface area as businesses o- online where we could be vulnerable to cyber attacks. And I think um, MSPs that can start to grasp that and start to frame that out to their customers in the same way that Rob is are going to position themselves to be successful. Hey, so. Zach, I just wanted to jump in here because I love that analogy, the fire analogy specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys know that I hope everyone watching knows that insurance companies don't go inspect every box panel in a building, right, to find out if a building is going to burn down. They count on um, residential building inspectors being part of that equation, right? They count on local fire companies in the case of a public building or a health, a local health office maintaining that fire certification, right? And we're sort of in the infancy of seeing that happen to our this managed services space as well. And it's it's an unstoppable force at this point that 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 is something real that's coming. Um, and you know, MSPs that are preparing for that are going to be catching um a whole lot of business and msps that are unprepared for that are, are going to be edged out yeah it's not it's not good not enough busted. it's not good enough to just do a good job anymore you have to be able to prove it right and so yeah. that's, that's right it. And, and will touched on it earlier where he said about continuous you know that continuous underwriting that continuous mm-hmm. process i don't know that we'll ever get there in every industry i mean you kind of trust that there's an eyewash station in the corner of the warehouse and fire extinguishers in every stairwell. But I think there's the IT equivalence of that. If there's a monthly report that really shows a test restore took place mm-hmm. or that a, a conference room or a tabletop exercise and incident right. response had visibility to the executive team, I think there's some repeatable dog food, if you will, mm-hmm. that will definitely make the insurance team uh, happier to take you on as risk. Yeah. Because yeah. Well, you, the- your intent has been to protect the environment. There was a time in those warehouses where there weren't eyewash stations and there were enough incidents where there now are. So, I mean, it's it's going in that direction for sure. And, and I like that point. You know, based based on all that, too. I mean, I, I just talking about uh, talking about how if you were to if you were to ask someone or tell someone, hey, you're not up to code with fire. They're like, OK, tell me what I need to do to get up to code with fire. Right. Um, but people still kind of drag their heels when you tell them, hey you're not up to code with good cybersecurity posture right now. And it's like, so I don't want to pay for it. Right. And, but then at the same time, you look at the stats, I could name way and probably because I'm in the industry, but I pay, I could name way more cyber incidents than I can fires that I've, I've heard about. I mean, mm-hmm. in, in, in the past couple of months. Right. And that's, that's kind of a lot of the incidents, even, I mean, a lot of the incidents that were that people will not bat an eye out, to or bat an eyelash towards when it comes to oh i'll get the right security in place i'll get the right safety features in place they'll do that but then when it comes to their their cyber footprint they're afraid to they don't they don't want to move they're like not nah, cost too much i don't want to mfa is too complicated um oh i need to have my admin rights i need to install spotify on my machines 
you know, like that's, it's that kind of thing where there's, there's so much resistance to it, but that's their biggest exposure. That I think that's a good segue uh, to another great question for Rob with your clients. What are you seeing as some of the, the biggest initial hurdles um, to get them from um, the starting block to, to at least moving down the runway? I think the first one is just general understanding of the risk points of that, that they're facing. I think there's just a, a, in some cases, a lack of literacy, just in, for instance, the social engineering aspects of the risk we're taking on every day. A lot of people don't talk about this. They think because they have EDR and a good backup that they're in a good mm -hmm. place. They mm -hmm. think they have a good relationship with our company. They're in a good place, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and, and so I think the first thing is that awareness and just making it part of, you know, the day-to-day -day conversation, like you do everything else with safety. Um, so I, I think that's one of the biggest things. I don't think cost is anymore. And I definitely view insurance as a driver where it's helped us talk about these things. It may have not been presented like, well, I'm so excited it's insurance for real time and they want to charge you a lot. Let's talk, Rob. But at least... There was an impetus to have the conversation and and, and then, you had solutions yeah i i think one of the I, I might be deviating from your question a little zach but one of the be things i want to say about it is um there's almost a lot of um fake feeling of comfort too because there's so many software yeah. part numbers out yeah. there and people will make statements that really don't mean that they're safe for instance i'm already on this cloud provider they take care of my backup They've like relinquished control of their data. And that's a scary place to be. So that's been a great objection. So tying it back to objection is I'm already safe. I have pretty cool EDR from this vendor. And uh, I got a cloud provider that's taken all this off of me. So I'm yeah. good, Rob. Yeah. That's, you're so right about that. And I just say, you know, it's anecdotally, but it comes from a career of, you know, over 15 years in managed service and managed services is that there's so much assumption and it really goes back to the age old technique of active listening. That's what you're practicing right. doing with your clients. You have mm -hmm. to, you need to give them a first qualitative and then quantitative risk metric through a risk assessment or some sort of other verification of controls where you put up a big red 80% risk in their face and they can't ignore that. And you've right. protected yourself that way. And mm -hmm. same thing with the risk, uh, with the with the insurance, uh, filling out those questionnaires. Wouldn't it be nice to have all these things in a platform or on a risk assessment that when we go out and fill out the risk assessment questionnaire, yep, we're doing that. No, we're doing that. We're very sure about it. It, it's it's a it's a function of quality, right? Uh, misconfiguration is still one of the biggest uh, pieces that contributes to incidents. And how do we prevent misconfiguration <laughs> on our insurance application? Is making sure we've uh, delineated that out ahead of time. And so right. I think there's a there's a that's a huge piece to it, and, and feeds into education and everything else. And so yeah, I think that you couldn't be more spot on with that. Yeah, two yeah, things. There's a question up, there right? from Josh Stewart. Um, this will be available on multiple forums, uh, both the LinkedIn and uh, and YouTube as well. I think we have it uh, streaming yep. out there as well. Yeah, I think it's in like seven different places, maybe eight. If Will added his yeah. stream, nope. I have my, my I've been streaming to my YouTube channel, but don't be a CISO. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So the there's, there's is, a couple well, of good questions. I'm sorry. Yeah, one more. Tim, well, before we miss it, uh, 
and last time I think we were on a, I think we had Wes on a couple, I don't know, six months ago. He kept talking about like how early and how preemptive you have to be in this process. As you said, like Will said, you're not going to get any, you're not going to get credit if you promise it. So like it has to be in place on application date or whenever, I don't know, I don't know the dates so of like when they kick off well, but you got to be talking to fifth wall months, you know, a couple months, at least 90 days in advance of, you know, we always we, we always tell agents or not agents MSPs because to to get in front of this before the agent does because yeah. we need I mean like I said before this is falling more under the banner of cybersecurity than it is traditional insurance and because of that you kind of need to take the reins on this so no you so I want to throw this out for the people listening in our audience right if you could just give us a quick yes or no like how many of the people here quick yes or no actually track the renewal date of insurance policies for their clients go ahead and hit yes no type in yes no you do you don't in chat and we'll just keep moving on here well i wish we had like the the, the poll the, yeah the pulse the poll song from who wants to be a millionaire um <laughs> but uh yeah anyway so uh i forget what it's talking oh just get ahead of this right so we yeah. say you know 60 to 90 days from renewal integrate it into a qbr have the conversations around around the the security control gaps that your clients might be might be dealing with when it comes to insurance and educate yourself on what controls carriers are looking for this year because that list is changing it is growing um and so <laughs> wilson wilson responded wilson works for fifth wall that doesn't first wilson would say yes <laughs> first wilson first wilson would be uh, that's yeah. awesome um so uh we just say get ahead of it be we like to say we want to teach pro msps to be proactive around cyber insurance because the 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 sad fact and reality is that um you're getting an application that a client got from the their agent probably like 30 days before renewal, but the client forgot about it. So they get it to you 10 days before renewal or something. Then you fill it out. You rush to help them advise on it, whatever. They give it to the agent. Agent sends to the carrier. Carrier says, oh, you need these things in place. So now you have two days to implement EDR on your clients in every endpoint for your client or something like that, right? And it's just, it, it causes a lot of chaos. It causes a lot of stress. And if you can get ahead of this, let you need to become kind of the, the the face of this. Now you can't advise on the insurance. You can't tell them the kind of coverage they should carry or the limits they should have. But what you can do is say, hey, look, these are the controls that are needed. So let's get you to a place where you're ready to go. So when renewals do happen, when it's time to get that policy, it's smooth. And that's mm. saves you a lot of time, saves your client a lot of hassle. And it makes you look really good because now you help them with their insurance. It 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 is an easy thing to walk up to a customer and just, really elevate yourself as a trusted advisor and say, hey, 90 days from now, we got insurance renewals coming up, don't we? Just a yeah. sentence like that, mm -hmm. that you're already thinking about them in that light, I think really advances the needle versus, because yeah. that's not, you know, there's there's a lot of companies that are selling you stuff at renewal mm -hmm. time, but if you as an MSP or a trusted advisor and you're just helping them, as in, you know, I think that's a place where you can gain a little more credibility. You deserve to. I don't mean that you're selling there. I mean, that is a good partner. I could use some of those partners in other areas, right? So, I mean, I think you've achieved something if you can think that way. Yeah, and if you've, if you've baked it in to the process, and like I said, and you're running VC, so security reviews, doing the performance management, updating the risk assessment quarterly, yeah, we got that insurance uh, a, a renewal coming up next quarter. We're good. Here's your answers. Yeah. You know, right. yeah. yeah. 
are you going to go with insurance name here? Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, that's yep. just a little question to talk to a business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a quick comment on here. I, I, I will, I'll let, I'll, I'll let our <laughs> listeners read it, but I won't read it. Uh, Brad is actually using the Fort Mesa platform. He he's did, a, did a press release recently, just trying to make his customers more insurables, right? So he's using appliance frameworks to drive the conversation and you know get out early in front of it so um but yeah, yeah. no 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 vendor bashing here or or sales people of vendors but tim did you uh did you have another one I, I had a question for will in terms of limits right because yeah it's not Good just one. simply you know it's simply uh it from what i've heard will say before it's not about like just getting a policy right like you can get a policy like, you know, Tommy Boy, right? Like a market guarantee, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, or, or you can get real, 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 like strong uh, something with teeth in it that's actually going to pay out. Tim, you just like my memes. That's what I'm. I'm yeah, hearing. <laughs> <laughs> I love memes. I love them. Yeah, so uh, we could talk about that real quick. So there's a whole bunch of different types of coverage out there. We just like to say not all coverage is created equal. Um, I mean, you just think about it with anything, right? You have you have experts in certain things. It's it's the same thing as an MSP. You wouldn't expect your client to, I mean, okay, some clients do force the a la carte security thing, but most MSPs say, look, we hate this. The a la carte thing is, is basically saying to the client, oh yeah, you can choose whatever security you want that you think you best need, right? And from the, from the security advisor perspective, mm -hmm. that's clearly not the right approach, right? I mean, that's, they're going to pick, the stuff that they've heard of and the stuff that isn't annoying to them. Um, and so it's the same thing with cyber insurance is their, their first thought is when there's an incident, they're coming to their MSP saying, Hey, how fast can you get me back up online? And that's all they're thinking about. What they're not thinking about are things like the ripple effects of lawsuits, breaches, forensics, um, business interruption. I think the average downtime is 14 to 16 days during an incident, yeah. just do all the cleanup that has to happen. Even if you can restore from backups right away, right? There's still, yeah business downtime and there's interruption, uh, reputational harm. There's all these things that kick in that they're not thinking about because they're worried about their computer getting back up online. And that's, they're pushing their MSP, get this back up, get this back up. You're like, I can't, yeah. I can't, I gotta wait. I gotta wait until forensics gets in and does their thing. Or there's, you know, we have to go through our process. Yeah. And so there's a lot of pressure in that situation. So having the right limits on a policy, knowing exactly what you need to have in terms of coverage is really important and making sure it's comprehensive. Yeah, and, and the other piece to that, having dealt with a couple of these incidents in the past, is think about the fact if you're servicing any uh, Fortune 500 or 100 company, com, uh, customers or enterprise for that matter, they're going to come back on you so hard with so many regulatory uh, loopholes you have to jump mm -hmm. through just to start doing business with them again. There's a right. huge cost associated with that as well. So that's something, another piece to that fallout that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. That's huge. I'm actually curious. I don't know how much time we have left in this, but I'm curious for Rob or Jesse in this case, have you had to navigate an incident with someone who has insurance and what did that look like? Uh, we had, uh, I have one with and without. Uh, so oh, we nice. had to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's both worlds. The, the, the biggest <laughs> one, the biggest one I worked was, you know, do you guys have insurance? Uh, no. Okay. This just got way worse. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. But, um, you know, it was one of those clients that uh, was co-managed. Uh, we had been pitching them security for a long time, had all the risk documented. Um, so it was very, very uh, low stress on our end from that perspective. And they ended up doing a ton of business with us after the fact. But um, 
yeah, that was that was so, not a good situation. Pa- pa- pause you right there. Pause you. Yeah. Pause you right there. So you made a very key distinction that I want to make sure everybody knows about, right? And that yeah. is, you were offering, continued to offer, continued mm-hmm. to push the envelope, mm-hmm. and you continued to document their no's right. and objections right. along right. the way. And that's very key, I think. And and will maybe from the insurance side, you might agree with that. Like we keep telling them. They keep seeing no, we keep telling them. So that's the big point that I think if anybody's taken away anything from this today, Mm -hmm. you need to document the living daylights out of the no's, even the yeses along the way. Yeah. Yeah. And the easiest way to do that is we, we actually made the decision to uh, to (laughs) offer, to do risk assessments for our entire customer base. And obviously Mm -hmm. we, we asked for people to pay for those. And we had a few, like maybe five, less than five customers I could count that just refused to do to pay for a risk assessment, we said, well, fine, we're going to do it anyways, because it's it's right. a it's a liability cover cover for us. In any case, uh, back well to your initial question about the insurance, uh, working with the insurance company. So the customer that did have the ransomware incident, it was actually due to an acquisition. So they uh, this customer was a financial services customer. Uh, we had really good security controls. They were one of those clients that you love because they just take your recommendations and they work with you. And, you know, typically financial services customers that have a good compliance office are aware and they do that. So in any case, we had them on a full SASE framework. Uh, they made an acquisition. So part of our recommendations with our VCSO process was that we put in a risk assessment for the incoming companies because they were going through a lot of M&A. And so we had performed a risk assessment for this new company and found a couple of red flags that, hey, we don't want to connect their networks just yet. Uh, and sure enough, that week following our recommendations, they got hit with ransomware. Well, we already had new laptops on the way uh, with the SASE clients on them. Uh, they did have some data fallout that they had to report. Uh, didn't spread to the rest of the company. It was like 13 users from this inbound company. They got their laptops the next day. They flipped those up, connected to the new network. We had the old stuff quarantined out and we did our incident response and recovery. So in dealing with the insurance company, the fallout is really where that that became uh, the time suck, right? And not, mm-hmm. and not in a bad way, but we had to make sure we had chain of custody documented for all the, uh, the machines that were breached. We had to work with the insurance forensic team to uh, to to you know show that they actually did what they were supposed to do, and then uh, there was a lot of checks and balances. Hey, was MFA on? Was this on? Um, so a lot of a lot of transactional stuff with the forensics team and the legal from the insurance company. But we as again as an MSP because we were offering the full security package, the VC so services, the advisory stuff. It was all things that were included. So it's low stress on the client and it's low stress on us because we're this is what we're getting paid to do and we're happy to do it. So hopefully that answers your question. No, that's awesome. I heard, and there's two things I heard that I find really, you know, it's so true, but you said for the one, for the people who didn't have an insurance policy, (laughs) as soon as you fix the issue, oh, now they jump and they get all the security controls that they need in place. Oh yeah, of course we'll do this. Great. That sounds like a great idea. It's like too little too late, buddy. I mean, we'll still do it. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, and then on the other side, uh, I, I, I thought it was really neat that, you were able to come in and there's that piece where, and this is where the MSPs can be really successful is to come in and say, we're looking at what's going on. We recommend this. We want to do this. You already had things on the way, a plan in place to better secure the client. So when the Mm -hmm. event did happen, it was ready to go. I mean, talking about incident response, having the things prepared. I mean, incident response, when you look at 
going back to frameworks and all that all that kind of stuff when you look at the nist framework um response and recovery was not part of the uh, or cyber insurance was not part of the initial response and recovery when they released that back in what 2013 or something Mm -hmm. cyber insurance wasn't a thing i bet if they were to do it now it'd be on there because it's a really important component um and so it's just to 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 be aware of that and building that into the ir and how to deal with that because insurance carriers can be a little annoying and complicated so yeah, I just updated my temp my my standard template to include some additional stuff for that. So it's funny that you mentioned that. Hmm. Yes, it's at the top of all of our MA runbooks is to handle the integration of tool set and practice mm-hmm. before you even connect users and systems. Right. Yeah. Rob, any uh any war stories? Well, no, I'm very superstitious I'm knocking on wood and all that. You don't want to tempt fate, but um, we, we haven't really had to work with any customer situations where insurance has been an issue and it had to be activated at a large scale. I don't want to lose that streak on my watch, but um, and, and that's pleasant. That's not to say we haven't had to help customers out of some sticky situations mm-hmm. and maybe they didn't opt to use their cyber, but um, we've been fortunate on that part. Um, but we've had some good people leading us or that have crossed our path that have, have made us aware of this in a good point. And again, the school of hard knocks has been good to us. I you want know, to be selfish, Tim, real quick. I've got to do a poll because these are smart people. <laughs> if you get one control, what would it be? Like you're going to tell the insurance company you've done one control on behalf of a customer. What would it be in today's market? And I don't know. I, I'm just Enter- this- enterprise browser. Electricity, you pull the plug. <laughs> <laughs> uh, incident response, no. Air gap ricked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I would say for, for us, it would most likely be um, something about data, like, you know, 1.2 and CIS, like, where is the data? How do we get to it? Who owns it? Like, any, any of that kind of stuff. Like, if I had to pick out one control, it's where's the data and who has access, right? That was, you know, one, one 1.2 and, or one, uh, one 2.2 and CIS. So, yeah. I think you're cheating. I think it covers like seven different families. <laughs> <Yeah>. right <there>. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, IG1 compliance. No big deal. Yeah. He's a yeah. So IG, IG1, IG2, like, no, for, for me, it would be data. Like yeah. it would be all about the data because every framework's a little different on what specific control framework for data, but it would be about the data. Where is it? Who touches it? How's it protected? So so that's, I had an interesting question though, from Rob, something you brought up because exactly there's plenty of times with, there's some sort of email compromise or some sort of, uh, you know, small compromise that you don't notify insurance for. And I'd be curious to listen to, it just popped into my head now, I hear from Will on, is there some requirement to report or, or level that they, that should be reported to insurance Hmm. that could affect coverage or is that not a thing um we always just recommend hey you know what if you suspect something happened it's always good to put the carrier on alert um it's not a requirement i mean at the end of the day once the actual incident happens um it's it's i would say if you have a policy it's not like the auto industry it's like oh i got a little fender bender i don't want to talk to my carrier because now my rates are going to go up Mm -hmm. i mean there are to, to the point of what you were saying about reporting i mean when you think of different states having like credit monitoring and that type of reporting laws. Um, Mm -hmm. The client doesn't know what those are. So if they suspect something happens and it's minor and the MSP fixed it right away and it's not a problem, 
we don't know how far reaching the data leak is. We haven't done the time to actually ex- explore that and see into that. So one of the issues you now run into is if something got out and things are coming back your way, that's where the carrier won't cover the breach because guess what? Uh, sorry, cover the incident. I've been learned not to say that word. Um, so that's where the carrier won't cover that claim, won't cover that incident because they're saying, look, you you restored everything. We don't have any paper trail to follow or yeah, digital anything. paper trail to follow. We don't know what to do. Yeah. So it's better to put them on alert, let them know, hey, you know what? We we detected this. Uh, should we do anything? They're like, yeah, just monitor. If something big comes of it, file that claim because you don't know how far reaching the, the incident yeah. actually is. It's not just your computer being shut down. But but being on alert and sharing that information ahead of time puts you in, in the position of doing the right thing and trying to do the right thing from the very beginning, which mm-hmm. is always where you want to fall in, in uh, the event of something like this. Of yeah, course. don't sweep it under the rug. In the interest of a war story, Tim Schnur, it, this is a true story. The first time we ever dealt with ransomware, we called the local police department. Good. We didn't know what to do, and we did, and the response was awful. <laughs> well, I don't know. Right? Yeah, right. This yeah. is going back so, but the funny part is we did actually end up doing a report. We forgot about it, and um, this was a customer that remote office their local police department did have a cyber team whose job was to write reports to take them up to federal agency and they rolled up on the corporate office without warning wanting more information so i made my customer mad by calling our <laughs> local police department that's my war story <laughs> but that was a long time ago that's, that's before CISA alerts and those kinds of things yeah the, the fbi hotline right right hoping to re- recoup that crypto yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we're almost wrapped up, right? Friday, about that mm-hmm. time. Friday, about that time. Final sun's out. sun's out, guns out. Well, <laughs> not, not here. <laughs> Four days in the MSP work week. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's just which four, right? Yeah. Read only Fridays, baby. Yeah, the bad actors don't work Saturday and Sunday, Tim. No, they only work holidays and and, and yeah. They don't work after they don't work after five PM either. So no. No. so so out of this stuff. This has been a really great session. Will always always uh, excited to have you on. Always to, great to like hear how to make cyber insurance less boring. Mm. Uh, Rob, it's pretty exciting today. Goodness. <laughs> no, no, really. So uh, Rob's good to meet you. Uh, glad to have you. Hopefully we can have you back again. Um, obviously, Zach and Tim and Jesse, you know, hey, we're looking forward to continuing on here. Um, any last, like, final two or three words? Ready? Jesse. Oh, uh, so... <laughs> Uh, again, focus on performance management and being ready ahead of time. Baseline your clients, cover yourself, don't let them hide from their risk. Uh, qualify and then quantify that risk, and you'll do well. Okay, that's a little more than two or three words, but okay. <laughs> Will, two or three words, last parting words. Fifth wall solutions wins. <laughs> awesome. Zach? Um, I would say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fail your two or three words here, but I would say, uh, the point that I would want MSPs listening to take away is don't be afraid to have those conversations so you can understand uh, where your clients are at and what their needs are. Because when you do that, you put yourself in a position to be able to solve them in a way that takes care of everybody. Uh, and Rob? 
my one control would be training and education and communication. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Preach her up. Can I actually just reiterate one thing? Um, be proactive around cyber insurance. Don't don't wait until renewal or everyone's going to be angry, good, including good, you. Good. Good. Yeah. yeah. Good, good, good. And Mr. Tim. Parting word. Yeah. So always be selling, right? Zach. So I mean, it's a great time to have a conversation, but also like, you know, you know, sell some cybersecurity project work, higher tier, right? Like this is an opportunity to justify, use this as a catalyst and uh, follow fifth wall because you guys have some great, so maybe some great Intel, some great graphs, some great facts, you know, so ABC always be closing, it. right? Always, always be, be cyber. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And I'll leave you with my final thought is start someplace and start now. There you go. This is uh, going to wrap this all up, everybody. Thank you so much for yet another week. We will be back same bat time, same bat channel next week with, I don't even know who's coming up, Tim. Who's coming up? Gradient. Gradient? Billing and alerts integration to just about any RMM and PSA out there. Very cool solution. Yeah, yeah. exciting yeah. stuff. Awesome. All right, have a good one. Right, Take us home. All right. <laughs>